0: Hey, everybody. This is Lori Rudeman. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. There's no beating around the bush with this week's episode. My guest is Simon T. Bailey. If you've been to a conference over the past decade, you have seen Simon up on stage, motivating you to be brilliant, motivating you to be your best. Now, Simon has a new book out. It's called Be the Spark, Five Platinum Service Principles for Creating Customers for Life. I'm excited to have Simon on the show today, not only talking about customer service, but talking about work and how to enjoy it more and how to love your life. So without further ado, please sit back and enjoy my conversation with Simon T. Bailey on this week's Let's Fix Work. Work is broken and so is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is picking up the pieces so you can take control of your career, put yourself first and be your own HR. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, Simon, welcome to Let's Fix Work.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Good to be with you.
0: Yeah, thank you. You know, forgive me a moment of privilege because it is my podcast. I have been a fangirl. I don't know what other word to use.
1: Oh my word. (laughs) For a very long
0: time. And I'm naturally a cynical woman, but when I've seen you speak and when I've listened to your message, there is something in me, that little girl, that gets a little bit more optimistic again. So thank you for doing that in my career. And thank you for coming on the podcast today. You are one of the most inspirational speakers out there. So I wonder, what is that like? And when you get a little down, where do you go for inspiration?
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> do you oh, know, well. <laughs> I, I do the silliest things and I do have down moments. Anybody that says they're not motivated or they're motivated every single day, don't believe them. There are days when you feel demotivated, but it's real simple for me. I will open an email. I'll look at a text message or I'll receive a handwritten note from someone who read a book, saw a video, saw me live, and they did something. It just happened to me yesterday, I got an amazing call from one of the top event designers in New York City, her name is Norma Cohen. And Norma was presenting and sharing, she met me 10 years ago and I told her, here's what you need to do in her business. And she mentions my name from the stage and a guy jumps up and says, oh my God, that's my mentor those are the things that inspire me. Like, oh, wow, who yeah. knew, right? What, who a, knew? Yeah. what a
0: great career. Well, for those of my listeners, m- members of my audience, my community, who don't know who you are, and I don't know how that's possible. You have a fun and interesting origin story. Would you mind sharing that with us?
1: Yeah, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Went to Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. Mom and dad called me after my freshman year and said, we can't send you back to school, nor do we have money to bring you back home to Buffalo, but we do love you. And uh, I went back to school, but it took me about 10 years to finish my undergrad degree. Went to work for Disney was sales director at Disney Institute, left Disney a number of years ago to now do this work in the world. So 30 years of experience in the hospitality industry, six different companies, 10 different jobs. And today I get to hug people with my words every day. (laughs) That's what I do.
0: (laughs) That's a pretty good job description. (laughs) Pretty amazing. Well, we live in a world right now where you can hug people with your words, but some people don't want to be hugged, right? It's a very hostile world. What gives you hope that this is just a moment in time?
1: I think three things. There's a shift on the planet of men and women who 30 years ago went to work and they settled for a chair, a check, and a cup of coffee in Cubicle Farm and woke up and said, I'm just a bill. Well, I'm only a bill and I'm sitting here in Capitol Hill. Now it's this mindset of Am I doing work that is purposeful and meaningful for me? That's number one. Number two, there's a difference between a boss and a leader. Years ago, one of my failures is I was a boss with an agenda instead of a leader with a vision. Now, organizations recognize people don't leave the organization. They leave that boss who is emotionally clueless. And if that person leaves the organization, they will go on Glassdoor.com and will shout it out that don't go to that place, bad culture. But then the third thing, and this is what gives me hope, many CEOs are waking up to the fact That culture happens when no one is looking. Culture is not the mission and vision statement that sits on the website. Culture is the alignment of head, heart, and hands. And how do we ensure we have a culture where men and women can be their best version of themselves and understand that spark is the new engagement? How do we help men and women have that spark every single day?
0: I love that. Spark is the new engagement. It's so well said, and it's so well-timed with your new book. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your new book?
1: So when I left Disney, I asked almost a thousand plus organizations, what is that common thread that allows them to attract, retain, and increase the value and productivity of men and women who work in an organization that then allows them to attract customers. And what I discovered, the common thread through all of the conversations and the feedback is they had a spark, a man or woman who decided to go the extra inch at work, not because someone was tapping them on the shoulder or dangling a carrot or telling them that they can make more. They decided that, wait a minute, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to add value and go the extra inch, not because I have to, but because I want to. Thus, customers come back time and time again. So being the spark is really how do you create this culture where men and women can ignite a blaze and infuse others around them? Because organizations recognize that their number one customer are employees.
0: Well said. But so many organizations miss that mark on creating a spark. I think about my own employment history and there but for a leader who recognized that fire within me, I might still be back in corporate America, God forbid, but (laughs) that may have happened. So leaders are missing the mark every single day. What tips, what tools, what advice do you have for leaders to get a little smarter, a little savvier about seeing the hundreds of sparks within their organization?
1: I think the first thing is leaders have to understand what is the learning style of every person that they work with. Are they visual, auditory, hands-on, and communicate to them in that style. Number two, what is that person's personal vision for their life? Where do they want to go? And how do you come alongside them as a leader to guide them throughout the different things that happen in an organization, the cultural things that happen in an organization? How do you really guide and coach them? And I think the third thing is, Leaders have to tell, and I I use have to intentionally, tell people what they're doing right instead of what they're doing wrong. Now, it goes beyond waiting to the annual review or mid-year review. It's telling them weekly or at least monthly, not only thank you, but here's what you did right. Because when I know what's right about me, then all of a sudden I can show up and I'll go the extra inch because doggone it, my leaders saw it. So I'm not just a cog in a wheel and I'm not just a social security number in the HR payroll system.
0: Well, boy, from your lips to God's ears, because I think there are so many leaders out there who lack that emotional sensitivity or really view leadership like you viewed it earlier in your career. They're bosses with agendas. So what what is the shift that has to happen? Do we need to do a better job of hiring leaders? Do we need to do better leadership training? Like how do we tackle that at that leader level? Because so much can be made or broken by that VP, by that director, by that supervisor.
1: I think organizations need to be intentional about interviewing every person that leaves the organization. That will be amazing feedback on what is working and what isn't working. The second thing is there are leadership programs as the day is long. We don't need another leadership program. We need to be intentional about not promoting people who just because they produced a result in A, All of a sudden, they get a leader title in B. They might be really good individual contributors, but that doesn't mean they're management material. And because they have the numbers for their productivity or they know how to kiss up and grease the wheel, all of a sudden, they're promoted. I live here in the South. That dog will not hunt. So how do we ensure... (laughs) We have leaders who are not only emotionally intelligent, but socially intelligent. And I think the third thing is leaders have to be listening leaders. Listening leaders understand that the same letters that spell the word listen spell the word silent. It is not about telling you what to do. It is about asking you what to do. If we hire adults, let's treat them like adults and close this freaking adult daycare center. Allow people to do what they do really best. I see, I get a little passionate. Sorry. I love it. You're
0: speaking my language. <laughs> (laughs) You're speaking the language of self leadership, really, which is what we do when no one's looking. And that's so important when the world is volatile and certain and people are lonely. Sometimes it's up to us to find and ignite our inner spark in a world where it's so easy to forget that we have a spark. So do you have tips or advice for an individual who's not getting what they need from that socially inept leader, but recognizes that they love their work? They have a passion for their work and that this leader is Only a moment in time.
1: Absolutely. So the first thing is sometimes I'm working in a place where I'm tolerated instead of celebrated. It doesn't mean I need to quit, put my resume out on the street. But what if I focus my energy in areas where I can add value in the organization? So that might be volunteering, joining a project team. Getting involved with one of the groups inside the organization that are progressive, that fill your cup and beat your soul. The second thing to think about, when you have received feedback, perhaps from your peers, what did they say that you were doing right? So even though the leader may be clueless and not really understand that what you really need, and you can only spell it out, and let me just divert just for a second. One of my greatest problems as a leader, and this is my stuff is I was macho, I was marginalizing the women on my team and I was not asking the women on my team what they really need because I had a need to be right. And what I discovered is women in business, they don't tell you everything they know, they tell you what you can handle. And what I recognize is because I was so like tuned out, I wasn't tuned in, they were starting to leave me as a leader and go and work in other organizations because my mouth was running faster than my mind. So what I really began to understand is I had to find other peers who got me, understood me, and I wouldn't have to like spell it out to say, this is what I need. But then I think the third thing is, and this is something that I do, I would encourage each person to keep a journal, write a journal as to how you are doing. What did you accomplish today, this week? And I was just looking at my journal and I said, 10 ways that I am blocking myself, poor self-esteem apologizing for not doing well, negative self-talk, cheap thoughts, playing small, thinking small, expecting small, fitting in. And what I recognized, I had to eradicate this type of thinking in my own life because I couldn't inspire anyone. But I wrote that down to say, okay, this is how I'm going to get better.
0: Wow. Are you in my journal, by the way? Are we like the <laughs> same person?
1: <laughs>
0: Boy, the human condition is sure universal, isn't it? My goodness. it, is.
1: it is. <laughs>
0: On the other hand, the human condition is so beautiful because we mirror positivity. And I think when there are people who are passionate and purposeful around us, it can be magnetic, it can be effervescent. So I believe that purpose and passion are magnetic, but I don't know if that's enough with customers. Like I think that's enough with colleagues. So how do we attract and retain customers around us in this growing global cynical market with a lot of volatility and a lot of uncertainty?
1: Yeah, number one, become your customer. If you follow the customer's journey, looking at Starbucks or coffee shop as an example, they pull onto the parking lot or they walk into the door, touch point. They look at the board, what they're gonna order, touch point. If it's a place that they go to on a regular basis, that barista knows them. So I think if we're gonna really connect with customers in a very noisy world, become your customer. What are all the touch points in the experience that they have with you? And how do we upgrade that user experience? Number two, how do we begin to day what we do for the customer? So Deja Vu has been there, done that. Day is going there doing that. So I was just with a telecommunications company last week that is responsible 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 for installing the internet service for their customers. And I said, one of the things that I remember years ago is I had to take a day off work, wait for the installer to get to my house. And then I took this day off work. The installer was running late on and on. You follow the story, right? I said, what if they can go on the app on their phone and just like they Uber everything, what if I can follow the journey of when the installer is going to get there so I come home at the right time when I think they're going to be there? I said, and when we do those types of things for the customer, that's Vuja day So it's borrowing from another industry to say, how do we leverage it in this industry? And I think the third thing is if you want customers to yelp about your brand, they got to feel the love. Customer service is dead. I am sick and tired of going to places and people are kind of just like, you know, uh, the elevator doesn't quite go to the top. Their lights are on, but nobody's at home. Where's the spark? Where's the love? If you don't love this job, and if you're on the phone, and if you don't love what you do, fire yourself. Just like get out of the way. And I think some customers, some companies need to clean house. Just a thought.
0: Oh my God, so well said. That bravery though, that self-recognition around firing yourself is so interesting to me because so many of us don't do that. We wait for someone else to swoop in and solve the problem. We wait for someone else to make that. decision? And how much richer, how much better would our lives be if we fired ourselves? Have you ever fired yourself?
1: Oh my God. Yes, I did. That's how I fired myself from Disney, the happiest place on earth. But I, I fired myself because I realized that I was showing up working hard enough to keep a job and doing just enough to keep from getting fired.
0: It's terrible. What a terrible way to live. I was in
1: somebody. I was taking up somebody's spot.
0: Somebody, <laughs> somebody good. deserved that spot.
1: <laughs> in the happiest place on earth.
0: Oh, they do. They do. And I'm glad you gave it up. Well, I think there are. You know, again, we've talked about cynicism and pessimism in the world, and I think there's also this tendency that goes hand in hand with like shoddy customer service to also do things fast and cheap. Like we say, you can have fast, cheap or good, right? Pick one. And I think that's a lie. But I wonder how do we get over this? How do we get over this pervasiveness to get things out to the market right away? Where's the quality in things, Simon? Where's the love? Where's the passion?
1: Yeah, I think we have to evaluate everything and say first of all, would I buy it? Would I want to invest this? What's my perception? And if it's not my highest and best, then we say, wait a minute, you know, let's stop. That's one of the things I learned from Disney: is that if it's worth doing right, do it right. I think the second thing is to really understand this is our brand. So the moment it leaves your doors, your plant, your facility. Your brand is an emotion, a connection, a perception, a moment, and a memory. And if people receive something and they see it like a hot mess, they're like, done. You cannot get that talk back. You're you're like toast, right? You're dead in the water. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And then I think probably the final thing is when we are doing various things, what's the feedback that we're getting? And are we taking that feedback to heart and actually implementing a change?
0: Interesting. I think so many of us don't take that feedback to heart whether it's on a consumer experience or on an individual experience with our families or also with work and I know how difficult it is myself in my own field in my own profession to hear when I'm not doing things well or I've missed the mark how difficult it is to be humble and to recognize I had a role in that I could have made it better you know you're a public speaker you get feedback all day long you're on the internet you're a published author how do you deal with critical Feedback. Do you have any tips for us?
1: Yeah. So I just got some feedback in some of the videos that I've been posting in LinkedIn that people can't hear my audio, their audio was terrible. My audio was terrible. So a guy literally made a video for me and said, Simon, order this microphone. And I was like, whoa, great feedback. So I think the first thing, practical tip, is when I hear the feedback, is it personal or is it business? And separate the two. Sometimes people are giving me feedback because they really want to help me become better. And if I kind of err to the side, they want to help me become better. I got to own it. Right. I think the second thing is when I hear the feedback, have I heard it from others or is this just a one off? And if I've heard it from others consistently, then hello, newsflash, there is an opportunity. Right. And I think the third thing is feedback is all about growth. So when you stop growing, you stop living. When you stop living, you start dying. So if I really am a person who is a lifelong learner and I'm intentional about my growth, how do I hear the feedback and understand that it's about propelling me in my growth in life?
0: Yeah, I love that. That's really good advice, especially separating out the people who want you to do better and the people who are just habitual naysayers, right? There are always those individuals. I think there's also this component that when feedback is real, we also feel it in our bones. And sometimes we know the feedback before we're given it from the marketplace. And I wonder, how do you know you're doing your best work? And how do you know when you have room for improvement? Because you must know in your bones from time to time.
1: There have been some projects and things that I've launched that were dead on arrival, and I knew it right. Totally, <laughs> but, totally. Ah, 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 ah. That's that's what people in the south would say. Bless is hard, you know. Bless is a little <laughs> hard. So, what I have to step back and say, okay, when I do something and it doesn't work, what did we learn? What do we unlearn? What do we relearn? But I think the second thing is to say, wait a minute, am I pushing into the marketplace what I want you to buy? Or am I introducing into the marketplace what you ask that you need, what you've asked for? And that's a different mindset because what you discover is... It all comes down to relationships of the currency of the future. So when I'm in transaction mode, I'm selling. But when I'm in relationship mode, I don't have to force you to buy. You will opt in because you understand relationships are the currency of right now.
0: Oh, I love that. That's so helpful. And it's helpful for me. I'm currently working on my first major book. And so I really thought long and hard about who's asking for this book. And honestly, just the people who love me right? and my fans <laughs> and, my, and some readers. That's it.
1: And so you know what? serve that audience yeah yeah you never and i'm, know. You never I'm know. trying
0: and then i also tried to think about am i gonna put out another hokey book that's got the three ways to do x or the three ways to do y or am i gonna tell a story based on love and every time i got stuck in a chapter it was because i was trying to over architect something and sell and not just tell my story do you have any advice for me as i go through this process
1: yeah so Number one, if it doesn't move you, it's not going to move the reader. Write from that place to your point of love. I'm working on a book right now. And just like you, I was going to, you know, come out with all the secrets. And they're like, no, I got to write from a deep place. Number two, are you going to take us behind the curtain? as to what have you learned? What have you unlearned? What are you relearning? And how do you come alongside and become the purpose whisperer to really kind of help us understand that you're with us? So people don't need another book that tells them, they need a book that invites them on a journey to discover the person they might've been by following you. And so just keep that in mind. Am I inviting? Am I inviting? And that phraseology, inviting, critically important. And then the third thing is in 10 years, how would you know this book has mattered, that it's made a difference? What's the buzz? What What are you hearing? What are you sensing right from that particular place? Because it's almost rehearsing the future and the present. And when you write from that place, literally, you are creating the energy That when people read the words, they'll be like, whoa, this is touching me at a deep level. And I mean, forgive me for sounding so woo-woo, but you've gone into the future and you understand that the future is created in the present. So write it from the place of, so when people read this book, they will have joy. They will feel love. They will be challenged. They will feel a little uncomfortable. They will feel like I came alongside and I cared for them while pushing and nudging them towards a better tomorrow.
0: That's so well said. Thank you. You know, I did do one woo-woo thing and I wrote the press release of the book. Like what what will people say when the book comes up? Thank you. But I learned that from Amazon, right? And I don't understand why more businesses don't do that with products and services. Even consulting companies can do that. What would the press release say that you're offering? What would the critical feedback be like? What would the positive response be like that? Do you do that for yourself?
1: You know what? I do. I, I actually do, and it's wonderful. And I just totally rewrote my entire bio because I recognized I wasn't celebrating the press, the press of everything that's happened in, in a decade plus. And I'm like, wait a minute, I need to think about this for the future. So it's exactly exactly what we did. So you are spot on.
0: Well, <laughs> such a good idea to rewrite your bio like that. How yeah. many people have terrible bios out there that talk about the past and the things they're not really proud of instead of really celebrating the way that they've changed the world. So I'm glad that you did that for yourself. That's pretty awesome. As we wrap up the conversation, every time I see you, it's at a critical point in my career where I need to fall back in love with my job. And so I'm not necessarily at that moment, but I'm at a moment where things are kind of up in the air and you've really given me some wise and lovely things to think about today. But for people out there who are at a moment where they're working in a job that's broken or in an organization that needs to be fixed, how do they fall back in love with work short of firing themselves maybe?
1: So I think the first thing is go back to date. One, when you first signed up for that place of business and you showed up, that day one, your eyes were bright, you were engaged, you were like, Oh my goodness, this is going to be awesome. Then you settled into a routine. What if day one became every day where before you get to work, you just relive day one? That's number one. Number two, how do you carve out time, perhaps 15 minutes a day, where you will go and maybe during lunch or an afternoon break and you just breathe? and you just think about what is working instead of what isn't working. And that little shift in energy as to what is working allows you to begin to see the impossible and begin to see, I think I can do something better. So in other words, you opt in to becoming the change you want to be in the world and the change you want to have at work. And then the third thing is, I believe when you pay it forward. So what if you find one of your colleagues or peers who did something right that perhaps the boss or leader didn't notice, but you did? you point it out, you call it out, you give them a shout out. Because sometimes you have to give away what you want in your life. So pay it forward by putting a smile on somebody else's face to say, you are awesome. (laughs) You rock. Even though you wish somebody would tell you that you're awesome and you rock, give it away.
0: I love that. There's nothing wrong with an environment based on generosity, emotional generosity. It's so lovely. Thank you so much, Simon. If people want... And I don't know anybody on the planet who doesn't know who you are or where to find you. But if they want to learn more about you, your new book, all of it, where where do they go? What's the best way?
1: simontbailey.com. simontbailey.com. Everything is right there. And I'm really big on LinkedIn. So connect with me on LinkedIn. uh, Simon T. Bailey. The T is for terrific. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It sure is Simon. It is for absolutely terrific. It was such a pleasure to see you and to just connect with you on the podcast. Thanks for doing this.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Hey everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Simon T. Bailey for more information or to learn more about Simon and all of his great books, head on over to LaurieRudiman.com forward slash let's fix work dash 96. Let's Fix Work was produced by Danny Osmond at Emerald City Productions and his awesome team. As always, we welcome your feedback. We want to be twice as good. We want to keep growing. So hit us up at hello at letsfixwork.com. Now that's all for today and I really hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, Start today by number one, subscribing to Let's Fix Work on the Apple Podcasts app or iTunes or Stitcher or Android or wherever you listen. Number two, write a five star rating and review. And number three, share it with a friend, colleague, or coworker who you think would enjoy our episodes.